want to talk today a little bit about the continuation of what Pastor Jason has been helping us with, and it's Peter Gregg's book, A Simple Guide for Normal People. Any normal people here? Some of you won't even put your hands up for that. Are there any normal people here? Come on. No, I'm not normal, Pastor. I'm supernatural. Well, bless you. Any supernatural people here? Yes. The first week we looked at the, the principle, the word pray, pause. There are moments all of us have to, in the midst of the clutter, just be still, just to stop and say, Lord, we need to hear your voice in this, and we need your direction. If you're a child of God, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So hearing God is not unusual. It is very much a part of a believer's life. And there was a scripture I wanted to dig into today, but I'll do that another time. But it's found in Luke 24, and it's the road to Emmaus, where Jesus appears to two disciples but their eyes are hidden from who he is. And he kind of works with them until there's a moment when he unpacks who he is. And he does it when he breaks bread. And instantly their eyes are open. But while they're walking towards that moment where they're going to be together, Jesus starts opening up the Scriptures to them. So can I encourage you that as we open up our hearts to God, there's a spiritual dimension to our lives. But when Jesus unpacks over 300 fulfillments of him throughout the whole of the, the, the scriptures of that day, all the Old Testament, their hearts burned within them. That's a Bible study that Jesus directs their attention to the Word of God so that they can be led by the Spirit of God and have it clear. So when he says, you can hear my voice, it's because you've been digging into his Word. You get to know what's in his heart. You get to know how he acts, and you're able to respond to it. So the pausing part is where we get still before God. And while we're still before God, we say, Lord, I'm one of your sheep, and I can hear your voice. Speak to my heart. And then the R is rejoice. We rejoiced a few minutes ago in the goodness of God. And every time the name of Jesus was lifted up, there was a shout that came out of all of our hearts and all of our lives. Why? Because we're grateful for all that God has done in Jesus for us. And that we're able then in everything to give thanks and to rejoice. The A we'll learn today is all about ask. Learning to commune with God in the simple things every single day. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you're going, you can simply have your heart responding to God and asking Him. And it's just that wonderful principle that you and I live up or we live under an open heaven. We have access to God 24-7 no matter where we are. In fact, Peter is the gentleman that was responsible out of what was taking place in Korea and Argentina in prayer, he began the 24-7 prayer movement, and it's gone all over the globe, all over the world. And so he teaches on prayer. 
And prayer is a simple process for all of us. And we'll talk about that today in terms of opening our hearts and communing with God. So ask. Turn to Matthew 7. You guys don't have it on the screen. I want to read it. It's just one of those portions of Scripture where Jesus is also encouraging his disciples. In Matthew 7, beginning at 7, he says, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock. It's a simple principle in the Word of God for you and for me as we work with God. Sometimes our prayers are like this. Hmm. That's all we can do. Hmm. You get so pressed into a circumstance, you can't even say the words. Other times, remember when Peter jumped out of the boat and he's walking on the water and all of a sudden he gets his eyes off Jesus and he gets it on the storm and he starts to sink? You remember how, how long his prayer was? Heavenly Father, as I slink here in the water, I'm asking you to buoy me up and strengthen. No. Two words. Help me! That's all he could pray. If you ever listen to how a theologian prays, it's a whole different story. Let me take you into Bishop N.T. Wright and one of his prayers as he's looking out at the world around him and he begins to articulate this kind of prayer. It's not one word. And as I do that, I want you to remember a principle. If you ever invite people to your home or you're going out with people to a restaurant, and you take a moment to pray over your food, always ask this question first. Who is really hungry? And when the person says, I am, ask them to pray. <laughs> because if they're not hungry, they're going to pray around the world. And we're going to be waiting a long period of time. But here's N.T. Wright. Lord, we need Christian people to work as healers, as healing judges and prison staff as healing teachers and administrators, as healing shopkeepers and bankers, as healing musicians and artists, as healing writers and scientists, as healing diplomats and politicians. Oh, God. Politicians. We need people who will hold on to Jesus firmly with one hand and reach out with the other with wit and skill and cheerfulness, with compassion and sorrow and tenderness to the places where our world is in pain. We need people who will use all of their God-given skills to analyze where things have gone wrong, to come to the place of pain and to hold over the wound, the only medicine which will really heal, which is the love of Jesus. Made incarnate once more in smiles, yours and mine, tears, yours and mine, your patient analysis and mine, and your frustration and mine, your joy and mine. In Jesus' name, amen. So it can be detailed, looking out at our world, or it can be simple. I'm in a crisis. Lord, I need you now. Just remember, it's the action of the heart in asking. A-S-K. Ask, seek, seek knock. 
and the door will be open to you. That's the confidence you can have in God's Word. So one detailed prayer, eloquent, yep, but not more powerful than the help prayer. Not at all. Just because someone prays long doesn't mean it's more anointed and it's more powerful. Both prayers, simple and detailed, shared one thing in common. They're both asking something of God, something of one another. So when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, he says to them, and it's found in Matthew 6, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then give us today our daily bread. So his emphasis is on the expression of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. He's also saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. When Pastor Jason is speaking next, we're going to talk about the why in the word prayer, which is the yielding, the surrendering, the willingness to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, because I've seen you at work in my life, and your plan is a whole lot better than my plan. Amen? Well, that's pretty meek. When he says, give us this day our daily bread, bread is common all cultures around the world. You ever notice it's not the most special part of a meal? Sometimes you go to the restaurant and they give it to you free as part of your meal. Yeah, it's good, but it's plain. The kingdom of Jesus is beautifully expansive and very special. God desires to be involved in the big things, in the expansive things, in the kingdom shaping things in life, and he also equally desires to be present in the good, ordinary, and mundane things of life. When you're changing your baby's diaper, when you're going for a nap, when you just want to sit out and read a book, the simple things of life, he's right there to commune with us. And so he's going to put a little bit of a tug on our hearts that he's available 24-7. Not everybody is. Have you noticed that now when you call businesses? You never get a human being. You get a call back later. So God wants to be connected to us in everything that we do. Prayer can be described in many, many ways, yet for most it is simply asking God for something. The Bible says in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. How many have ever prayed and you've never seen an answer to your prayer yet? We have, all of us. We have prayers that we feel are disappointed in because we didn't see God come through, but we learn after a while, Lord... What's your will in this situation, and can I pray let your will be done and take my hands off it, or am I going to insist? Uh, Last week, the lady's blessing at the end of the service was absolutely unbelievable. That was the most wonderful moment I've experienced in a long time uh, in a service where I watched the ladies, the spiritual mothers of the house, praying a prayer over all of us. And so there were cupcakes at the end of the service. 
And all the ladies were going out and they were getting cupcakes and all the little girls were going out and they were getting cupcakes. And I was walking in the parking lot heading towards my car and it was a single dad with his son who just had snot all over his face. It was red. He was crying and he was saying, but I want a cupcake. I want a cupcake. And the dad's trying to say, but it's only for the girls. Why the girls? I want a cupcake. And I thought, what an amazing lesson to teach your son that there are seasons, there are times, and there are no's every so often. But you know, there's coming a day that we'll have cupcakes for the men and for the little boys. It'll just take some time. So even in that, you can use that as a spiritual lesson that, yes, you are disappointed and you're discouraged and you're all of those things, but that's not the end of the story. As long as you've got breath in your body, it's not the end of the story. You do not have, James says, because you do not ask. Peter says, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. One of the examples that I was taught when I was a new believer was when you pray in the name of Jesus, the Father goes like this. When you mention his son's name, his ear is turned towards you. And so you know he's listening. And because he's listening, he wants to solicit from your heart what it is you're asking him for so that he can work in your life according to his purpose and his plans that are at work in your life. And Matthew 6 says, your father knows the things you need before you ask him. So if he knows what we need before we ask, why does it even ask us to pray? Because he longs for relationship with each of us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to show himself strong, no matter what it is we're going through at the time of our life. And petition-based prayer is expecting not only that God is listening, but that we are asking in faith, believing. And when we do that, wonderful things can take place. <clears throat> There's a story of a man by the name of Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. And Bartimaeus is blind, and he's a beggar, and he's on the side of the road. And the Scripture says, when they came to Jericho... As he went out of the city with his disciples, a great multitude of people gathered. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. How many know when there's a big crowd of people, it's sometimes hard to hear distinct voices? But Bartimaeus has heard about Jesus Jesus is near and dear right now, so he's calling out. And as he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me, Jesus stood still. He heard the sound. In the commotion of day-to-day -day life, when you cry out, he hears your voice. He hears the sound. And Jesus stood still and commanded Bartimaeus to be brought to him. They called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. <clears throat> so Jesus answered and said to him, Is that on the screen? Here are the words. Read it with me. 
Read it again. One more time. So when you pray, and Jesus said, well, what do you want me to do for you? I thought you'd never ask, Jesus. <laughs> the blind man said, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. That's exactly what he wanted. That was the core need of his life. And Jesus said to him, well, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. If God is listening and already knows before I ask, why does my ask really matter? Peter Gregg in his book says it very clearly because the asking part is a demonstration that it's relational. Wishing upon a star is impersonal. Plus, you won't get anything. Rabbit's foot, you won't get anything. But when you ask, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you, this is what I need. Like Bartimaeus, Lord, this is my request. That touches his heart as much as it touches our heart in asking. The second part is vulnerable. I don't need anything. Well, that's not being vulnerable then. When you're vulnerable, you recognize your own limitations. You, met, you recognize your weaknesses in areas of your heart and life. You recognize that some things are beyond your control. And so what you say, Lord, I'm placing my trust in you. I remember when my brother went through some real major crises in his life, and I called my mom to talk to her, and she said, I'm finished praying for him. He's just gone too far. And I said, Mom, come on. She said, I'll always love him, but do you know what I did today, Barry? And I thought, well, what? And she said, I got down on my knees, and I said, Lord, I am placing my son, Craig, in your hands. You take care of him. I'm done. That's a mama's prayer. You do not want to offend mama. And she puts you in Jesus' hands because he's going to come after you in a good way. So when she did that, I thought, oh, well, she'll take it back. She never took it back. She said, I'm up to here with him, all the stuff I've had to go through. So, Lord, Bartimaeus says, what do you want me to do? I want you to deal with my son. And he did. For 10 years, we tried to reach Craig. We did everything under the sun. And when he went into prison, it was just a few short weeks later, I asked a friend of mine who was a pastor, I said, would you go and visit him? So here's what the pastor did. He decided to fast. How many know that's a good idea? He started to say, Lord, what would you like me to speak to this young man's life? And the Lord began to show him what he needed to say to Craig. And when he met Craig in the prison and shared it, my brother broke, absolutely broke, and realized he was at the lowest of the low that he could ever be at. And at that moment, he turned his life over to Jesus Christ. When mama prays and puts you in Jesus' hands, 
the answers are going to come. And that's because my mom was vulnerable. She knew that there was nothing more that she could do. And I hope you get to those points. Instead of the shaking it off, so I could do it myself. We can do a lot of stuff in the natural realm. But there's stuff in the spiritual realm we cannot do without the power of God at work. So vulnerability is important. The last one's intentional. It means we're free to involve God in our circumstances or not. If you're like I am, I want my relationship to be relational. I want it to be vulnerable, and I want it to be intentional. And I want to be able to say, Lord, if you ask me the question, what do you want me to do for you? I want to be able to express that very, very clearly. And so lots of things in life can change, and they do on a day-to-day basis. But in the midst of all the changes, when you learn to pray, you learn to ask, and God then directs your steps. If you choose not to pray, then you're directing your steps. And, you know, things can happen in life for all of us where when we involve God in it, we get surprised. And he does these amazing things for each of us. Carl Barth says, God does not act the same way whether we pray or not. Prayer exerts an influence upon God. Do you remember that illustration in the Bible where Peter's put in jail and the church gathers to pray for him? And an angel comes and sets Peter free, and he goes and knocks on the door, and Rhoda comes to the door, opens it, has a look, closes the door again. Hard to believe God even answered the prayer. But our prayers, God responds to them and moves. And when he moves, he moves in exceptional way, and he influences circumstances in and around our hearts and lives. When we ask or we petition God, We're affirming, yes, Lord, it's relational, vulnerable, intentional, and it does affect real change on earth in kingdom-sized ways that demonstrates you not only hear, but you answer prayer. To this issue that you have, whether it's a small problem or a big problem, bring it to the God who loves you. John 14 says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that my Father may be glorified in, my, in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. When you're a new believer and you hear about all these things in the kingdom of God, sometimes you pray things like this. Lord, give me a million dollars in Jesus' name. Pastor Barry was teaching, but in Jesus' name. I bought this 649 in Jesus' name because my motive's pure. I'm going to give a whole bunch to the church. Are you tithing now? No. Well, you're not giving a whole bunch to the church because it'll just be too big. If you say in Jesus' name, what you're saying is align my character to your purpose for my life. That takes the hocus-pocus out of it. That takes the rubbing the rabbit's foot out of it. In Jesus' name is not a formula. You know the one thing that's the hardest to learn? There are no formulas in the kingdom. But there is a relationship that you're called to. And Jesus says in John 10, My sheep, they hear my voice, and they follow me, and no other will they follow. So when you learn to hear the voice of God, it becomes very, very easy to ask. Very easy to stop and be still, 
Very easy to have praise and rejoicing on your lips. Very easy to be asking God about all the things that your life is about. How many have ever prayed for a parking spot downtown? <laughs> Why not? Do you think he cares about your parking spot downtown? Oh, well, no, of course not. I mean, he's running the whole world. If you ask for a parking spot and you get downtown and there's a parking spot for you, you're going to say, thank you, Lord. And then you're going to say, man, oh, man, that was just a coincidence. And then you don't pray, and it's amazing. The coincidences don't come anymore. And so you learn asking is really, really, really important with the confidence that you have that you serve a heavenly Father who loves you and cares about you. What do I do when I don't understand? Even the more. Because you open God's Word, you read it, you get inspired. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. Faith is His gift to us. And faithfulness is our gift to him. And so that what we do is we then put it into practice. And so I want to keep looking to Jesus. My temptation is to look away from Jesus, but I don't want to do that. I want to look to him in worship. I want to look to him in praise and adoration. I want to look to him in disappointment, in frustration, in pain, in sorrow, no matter what I'm going through. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. When the doctor first diagnosed me with cancer, I thought, boy, they, this culture, that's the big C word. And when the big C word is over your life, it can cause you to be fearful. So Joyce and I prayed, and we said, okay, the big C word in our life, we belong to Christ. Christ is who identifies us. We walk with him. We live with him every single day, no matter what I go through, no matter the treatments, the protocol, the frustrations. He is going to be in the midst of this because I am defined by Christ, not by cancer. It's important. Corey Tenboom says it this way, if a care is too small to be turned into prayer, like a parking spot, then it's too small to be made into a burden. You want to carry things in your life in such a way as that you can petition God for whatever it is you need. Pastor Joyce, would you join me, please? I remember when we were separated, and I was believing God that somehow he would restore our marriage. Eventually, we got back together, and we were at a conference together with Tim LaHaye here in the city. And I didn't want to upset her or get her too excited. So I'm sitting beside her, just, and she's doodling on her pen and her paper. And she's writing, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm thinking, Lord, you really did answer that prayer. <laughs> you really did touch her heart. And now she is really in love with you. Thank you, Lord, for answering prayer. And yet, here you are today, here I am. <laughs> in all your glory. And I appreciate that you're a woman of prayer. And you've prayed some really incredible prayers for us as a family. <laughs> 
But you also prayed a prayer just about England one time because God spoke to your heart. Let the folks know a little bit about that. You know, he did this in the first service. Like, you never know what he's going to do. You just never know. So if you think it's safe to come to the Life Center, he may just one day call and say, you see that guy in the green shirt over there? Come on in. Come up and speak. <laughs> I want to talk about little faith, small faith. Listen, I pray for parking spots. I pray for vegetable soup. I pray that it would be on sale. I pray. I just pray, and I expect God to do things. But let me tell you about this time. We were in uh, a little life group, a little small group, and I was just newly saved, and, um, you know, we're, we're talking, and the group was good, and everything was small. And the person turned to me and said, Joyce, why don't you just close this in prayer? Pray out loud? This is me. Uh, 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 God. And I, I just froze. I froze. It was like I, I was, I, I couldn't say anything, and I just was so embarrassed because I wanted them to think that I was this wonderful woman of faith, and I was so strong, and I was just amending everything. And then I had to pray publicly, and I was humiliated. And the meeting ended. I got home, and I went before the Lord, and I said, Lord, why did you humiliate me in front of all of those ladies? And the Lord spoke to me, as he does, and he said, who are you speaking to? See, I was trying to impress all these ladies with all of the wonderful words and all of the how spiritual I was and all that. I wasn't speaking to him. So when I learned just to speak to him and just to begin to grow my faith and believe that he not only hears me, but he answers prayer, then this faith muscle just began to be, to be experienced, right? And I just began to grow from that little mustard seed. I just began to grow in faith. And then one day, I was just worshiping the Lord. And the Lord said to me, I wasn't asking him for anything. I was just rejoicing and celebrating who he was. And he said, I'm going to send you to England. I learned through asking for vegetable soup and parking spots and anything that I have need of that my father knows and answers my prayer so that then I could hear his voice. It wasn't something I thought of. It was just, it was there. I was so confident that it was God that I went down to my friend that was working in another office and I said, guess what? God just spoke to me and said, he's going to send us to England. And she goes, how? I said, I don't know. But I was so convinced that it was God. And I went and told, told Barry. Anyway, long and short, a couple of weeks later, we get, Barry gets a phone call, and the person said, um, we want you to come at our expense. We have three conferences in England, and we want you to be the speaker. And it was like, well, how did that happen? Well, anyway, so... 
Long and short, we go to England. We, we had these incredible things of faith. We didn't know these people. They told us from one conference to another, just drive to this place, go to this little mall, and we'll come and get you. But we didn't know who they were. We didn't know what they were going to look like. So we would just sit there and say, okay, God, tell us what they're going to look like. <laughs> so we would at least know what they, you know. And you had it like right on every single time. I, I didn't First get that. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. But anyway, this is what happened. I didn't even know how we got on the list because we weren't part of that group. We weren't part of that fellowship. But have anyone ever heard of John and Carol Arnett? John and Carol Arnett, uh, Catch the Fire organization from Toronto, and we had spoken there. But anyway, they were, you know, they were well-known, and they traveled around the world. And so we said to one of the pastors, how did you get us? Like, we don't know you. You don't know us. And he goes, well, we were looking on this list, and John, we asked John and Carol Arnett, and they weren't available. So you were the next on the list because your name was Boucher. So that, so we ended up going, meeting these incredible people that we still love and still uh, are in our lives. But I want you to know, anything and everything is possible. When you don't try to impress people, you just have a relationship with Jesus, you just love Jesus, and you just talk to him, and then watch what he's going to do with your life, because it's pretty amazing. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. See what happens when you let her out of the cage? She's amazing. Last little illustration. George Mueller was known as the man of faith, building schools and believing God for food in orphanages in England. And one day the queen had heard of... George Mueller and what God was doing through his life, and she's the head of the Church of England. And so everything in her heart was, I want to go and meet this man, George Mueller. And so she went to meet George Mueller, got to where his house was, and the servants went and knocked on the door and said that Her Majesty would like to meet with Pastor Mueller. And I said, Oh, that's not possible. The queen, that's not possible. Why is it not possible? Well, he's meeting with the king right now because he was a man of deep prayer, and he prayed for bread, and he prayed for milk, and he prayed for cereal, and he prayed for food on the table for all of these orphans, and he made a decision in his life. This is what it's important for you and I. God works uniquely in each and every one of us. In George's heart, God spoke to him and said, don't ever ask for money. I will take care of you. And in today's value, it would be almost $100 million was raised in and through his ministry back at the turn of the century. And you and I know now we don't have to ask others. We just have to ask our Father what it is that we need and trust him. He will take care of us. So put your hand over your heart. Father, as we have been together this morning, it's been good to be in your presence. 
It's been good to be together, whether in the sanctuary or online. And Lord, we hear your voice because we're your sheep. And your voice is saying to us in the simplicity of life, the ordinary of life, the situations that we have, that we can simply ask. And you will hear and you will answer. And so, Lord, thank you for what you're going to do right now as your people open their hearts to you. One thing that's important today, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, whether you're here or whether you're online, I encourage you to open your heart to him and say, Jesus, I've sinned against you. I can't hear your voice. I know that I don't belong to you, but I want to forgive me of my sin, come into my life. And he will do that, and he will live in you and through you for the rest of your life, and then you'll go on to be with him eternally. And so this is a very, very significant moment for all of us to learn to petition, to learn relationship, to learn the ability that we have to be intentional in our prayers and to be able to rest that, God, you are listening. In Jesus' name. 